Welcome to the Paranormal 60 Minutes News. I am your lead anchor, Dave Schrader. Let's bring in our correspondents from the great state of Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, the paranormal detective, Greg Lawson. Good evening, Hello, Greg. Hello, Dave. All right. We've got the colonel himself, Martin Vaez, with us. Good evening, Martin. Evening, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Look at you guys with your headphones. I'm so proud of you. And without further ado, because the world needs no more adieus, Eric Folsom. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Evening, Dave. All right. Well, everybody's all serious tonight. Is it the new theme? Does it make you feel like we have to be more reserved, more, you know, professional? Yeah. 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 Fancy. It's real now. I want to mention something real quick. Look, this is exciting. Parasycon 3 is taking place May 20th through the 22nd at the Ohio State Reformatory, also known as Mansfield's Reformatory. This is where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. I'll be on hand along with a few of my friends. That's right. Look at how many great people are going to be a part of this event. Amy Bruni, Adam Barry, Chip Coffey from Kindred Spirits. The Ghost Brothers are all going to be on hand. Brian Cano, Mike Rickset. We've got Ben Hansen. We've got the Mr. Bigfoot himself, Eric Altman, Heather Taddy. That is just a few that'll be on hand. www.parapsycon.com. P-A-R-A-P-S-Y-C-O-N.com. Parapsycon.com this May. I hope you will come out and check it out. Hey, got something special for everybody. Tonight, there is an after show. So after the final credits roll, our last Note of the theme runs out. Stay tuned. We're turning Marvel movie tonight, guys. We're gonna we're gonna stay on. At least I am. I've got special guest Shane Pittman gonna join me. Maybe some of our correspondents will stay. Maybe some of them have to go to bed because they're elderly. But it'll be a surprise for all of us, no matter what happens. We've got a lot of news to cover tonight, so let's get started. Eric Folsman, Folsman, Eric Folsman. You guys are tight I, I give you higher billing on the opening now i can't even say your names eric Folsom, you're up first sir what's our uh, first news story of the night dave it was a busy week uh in paranormal so i'm gonna start out with a story i found on feminist witches aiming to destigmatize the craft so back when scotland became the first country to formally apologize to the nearly four thousand people it accused of witchcraft during the witch trials that took place more than 500 years 500 years ago it sparked a feminist movement among the present-day witches and their supporters. The head of the Scottish government, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, announced the apology on March 8th, interestingly enough, the International Women's Day, as part of a push in Parliament to recognize misogyny as a hate crime at the request of the Witches of Scotland, a, a campaign that also seeks a formal government pardon for those accused of witchcraft and a national memorial to the lives lost during the trials. We want to know our own history, and we're no longer happy with the one-sided history, the same history that men or scholars have reported, said Claire Mitchell, a lawyer who started the campaign. Although she does not identify as a witch, she is looking to help out those who have been wronged. The Scotland Witch Trials began after the passage of the Witchcraft Act in 1563, which made practicing witchcraft or consulting with witches a capital offense. An estimated 2,500 women were killed for allegedly violating the law, according to the University of Edinburgh. It was repealed almost 150 years later. Now, you compare that to what we had in the United States in, in the Salem Witch Trials. There were only 200 accused and 30 found guilty, so significantly larger impact in Scotland. Although none of the accused women were practicing witches, Mitchell said, 
but the Scottish government used women as scapegoats to explain away the country's adversities. Pam Grossman, the author of the book, Waking the Witch, Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power, said the feminist movement has been a long time coming. We're starting to see people reappropriate the witch and redefine the witch as this rebellious feminist being who is a conductor of feminine power. Some have criticized the witch community, though, for racism and appropriation of proper witchcraft techniques. Aurora Luna, who practices witchcraft in the United States and shares their insights on social media, said they have noticed some disturbing trends. There are clear divides, she said. There is extreme racism and blatant negative aspects. Wanting to make the craft more palatable is the watering down of witchcraft. Now, very, very interesting. Witchcraft has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In, the, in a report last year, the United Nations said the number of albino people killed because they were suspected of witchcraft has increased during the coronavirus pandemic, as some believe the superstitions that albinos are COVID-19 carriers or that using their body parts in potions can bring good luck and wealth. The UN Human Rights Council passed a groundbreaking resolution condemning violations committed through witchcraft accusations and ritual attacks. Campaigns like this, like the Witches of Scotland, face pushback from critics who do not see the point of pardoning convicted witches from centuries ago. The reaction shows that there is more work to be done. The group is working with members of the Scottish Parliament to ensure that the accused witches of old are formally pardoned and that a national memorial is established. We are no way out of the woods of misogyny, she said. Humans always go back to the idea of attacking the vulnerable in society. It's crazy, isn't it? How they were able to just kind of deflect and point. And anytime a call of witchcraft came up, it was really somebody that you wanted their property, you wanted their wife, you wanted their their animals. And it was just a simple pointing of the finger and, and making these claims that would get these people arrested. And the only way out for some of them was by admitting they were witches. And then they would lose everything, but they would be allowed to live in a lot of these cases. It's what a bizarre case. Now, we do have a link on today's show guide. Uh, for those of you checking it out, we have a link for the um, Scotland Witches that shows raising money and doing some work to try to help out and, and further these causes. This was the part that unnerved me. Death toll grows for African albinos hunted for witch doctor brews. I was going to ask, had anybody heard of that? That's the first time I'd ever heard of it when I saw the story. Yeah, I and I know that they were having a lot of problems over in Papua New Guinea as well, dealing with witches and witchcraft, and people were being killed in the street for needing parts for their witchy work, and it's very strange. Very strange. Speaking of parts and witchy work, I think you've got a follow-up kind of story to this, Martin. Where are we going to go next? Yeah, Dave, uh, we're going to go to um, a report submitted in by Tobias Sylvester, who reported in the Kanye Daily about a 107-year-old witch doctor. Her name was Sayada Abubakar. And uh, her 17-year-old accomplish. Wait, so, so you get the name right, but accomplish is the <laughs> word that you have accomplice. Accomplice. <laughs> I had to de-tie my tongue off uh, for the next one. Uh, As Asa Hassan has been arrested for allegedly plucking out the eye of a 12-year-old boy. Uh, this occurred again in uh, Kanyo, Nigeria, on March the 19th of this year. It was alleged that the witch doctor ordered her 
her 17-year-old uh, uh, compadre in crime to bring her a human eye as part of the appear and disappear charm she was trying to make. Uh, again, on March 19th, uh, the defendants deceived and lured a young boy to a nearby stream and plucked out his eye with a sharp knife. Um, according to the article, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, according to the article, the victim sustained grievous hurt. You know, Dave, sometimes that just needs to go without saying on something like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you pluck out somebody's eyes, yeah, pain is going to be It kind of goes along with that, yeah. Hmm. And uh, and was rushed to the uh, Murtala Muhammad Specialist Hospital. The witch doctor denied the allegation following her arrest, stating that she only wanted to assist in producing traditional medicine. So it was kind of like out of the goodness of her heart type of thing. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, but the witch doctor continued by stating, I have 50 grandchildren and I did not remove theirs. What should I do? Why should I do that? Well, apparently uh, there uh, to cook up some of your appear and disappear charm, Dr. Abadkar, uh, because apparently you are needing these eyes to go ahead and just, you know, uh, make this. So her defense, her defense was, Hey, I've got 50 grandkids. I didn't take their eyes. How could I be a bad guy? Well, how do we know? How do we, have we checked all their eyes? Do they still have Mm -hmm. them is a question that popped up in my mind immediately upon reading this statement by her. But, um, again, both the doctor and the accomplice remain in jail. Accomplice. Accomplice. Mm -hmm. She looks, I I don't mean she looks good for 107. She's a witch yeah. doctor. She's probably put some type of a spin or charm on herself to live. Is that to how it works? To, to look that young? 50 grandchildren seems kind of light for being 107. I've already got eight and I'm only 32. Yeah. Well, you know, you're on your way. You're on your way. <laughs> 32 yeah. adults. I don't want to re- you know, take away from the crime that was committed here, but 107, no. can't she be forgiven? Yeah. I Wait. think that. Is a senility line is what you're throrying in yeah. as the defense on this? Yeah. I mean, you should really be forgiven for those types of things. I think they should just send the 17 year old to prison because he should at some point said, "Hey, you know what? She's 107. What is?" But if you're no. afraid of her and she's a witch doctor, you don't want her casting some kind of crazy spell on you to make things fall off. And at 17, you're just starting life, Martin. Come yeah, on. don't be putting your morals on somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 I, I don't. Yeah. I, anyways, uh, I, I, I see what you guys are saying here and, and I, uh, I, I partially agree to that, but, um, yeah. Are you sitting in her living room right now? I know I am. Doc, <laughs> hold on just a second. <laughs> um, but, well, the, the eyes have it in that story, Marty. Ah, yeah. the eyes have it. You see what I did? Wow. There? I know. How do you just lure somebody away and pop <clears throat> their eyeball out? It's like, let me show you a magic trick. Oh, got your nose, got your nose, and then yeah. out goes the eye. That's it. That's Possible. crazy to me. Possible. All right, Greg, where are we off to next, sir? Hey, uh, all right, let's go. Uh, we'll go to reporter Trey Mangum. Uh, okay. Star Utkash and Butkar of the CBS comedy Ghost reviewed where, where the show is headed. Uh, there's been a couple of true breakout broadcasts in comedy and hits in uh, this television season, but one of them is Ghosts on CBS. The series stars Rose McCleaver and Utkash Ambukar. Rose MacGyver. MacGyver. What did I say? McCleaver? McCleaver. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Rose McCleaver. Wait, so he knocks out the name. 
He he, he knocks out the damn yeah. car, but he can't say Rose McIver. McIver, McIver, McIver. All right, so, Marty, uh, you're in it, good, hey, you you're know, in good yeah. company here, Marty. I was about to say, hey, Greg, it gets easier, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Can I recommend that in all future stories, we don't actually give any names? So Utkash and Bootkar. This is the best part of the story. All right, go ahead. <laughs> all right, so Samantha uh, and Jay, they're playing Samantha and Jay, and they're uh, a uh, cheerful freelance journalist and a up-and-coming chef from the city, respectfully. And uh, they uh, both throw caution and money to the wind when they decide to convert a huge, rundown country estate they inherited into a bed and breakfast, only to find out that it's inhabited by many spirits of deceased residents who now call it home. The ghosts include a 1930s lounge singer, a pompous 1700s uh, patriot soldier, a 60s hippie, an upbeat 80s scout troop leader, a cod-obsessed Viking, a slick 90s financier, and a sarcastic but witty native from the 1500s. This is all headed up uh, with the wife of an 1800 robber baron, to name a few. The spirits... Uh, Sounds the, like you named them all, actually. Yeah, there's... Uh, no, actually, there's some more. Yeah, it's... Really? It's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of characters in here, but they're completely worth it. I've watched the show. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, if the spirits were uh, anxious about uh, the commotion and the renovation in B&B, uh, they're very, very uh, concerned about what all of this means because now they realize that Samantha uh, is the first live person that can see and hear them. And Bootcard said that he's always had the belief that there's a sort of spiritual side and that there is a elsewhere. I know he said that uh, uh, it's occupied by these types of ghosts, but like my wife and I always call out to our ancestors and people we've lost, we just assume that they're watching us at all times. Uh, he says, hopefully they stay out of the places where they're not supposed to when we're trying to have our private time, quote unquote. But our angels are way more respectful than the ghosts on the show. He says, uh, every ghost has their point of view and the thing about that makes them special. And Sam, his wife in the show, has her thing that makes her special. I think Jay, his character's uh, uh, superpower would be unconditional love of his wife. Ghost airs on Thursday, CBS, and uh, the next episode is coming up uh, on April 17th at 9 p.m. You, and you said you like this show. This is two weeks in a row we've had a story from one of the stars of that show talking about the paranormal. Yeah, yeah I, I like it. It's really goofy. It's real campy. Uh, but it, it's fun because they kind of use contemporary things that are going on and how, uh, these people from way past, especially the Viking guy and stuff would handle technology and, and just the way people behave. So it's kind of fun, but yet they all speak English. Dave, let's, let's not go there. It's, it's, it's yeah. a story, Dave. It's just temporary a story. suspension of disbelief. I'm with you. Greg, all right. Did you give us a little bit more information about the private time they were referring to? You know, yeah. there's there's a private time in everybody's life, and that's why it's called private time. Kaboom. That's dropping the mic on you. DC Comics, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard the news, now that Warner Brothers and Discovery have, have conglomerated, um, the gentleman in charge of both, David Zaslov, is looking to kind of redefine the DC catalog and, and kind of redefine the comic book world. So they're re-examining some of these things, but there is news coming out that uh, a new DC universe horror series is on the way called dead boy detectives. 
And the show is the brainchild of Steve Yaki, the flight attendant, and Jeremy Carver from Doom Patrol. He uses Neil Gaiman's Sandman and Dead Boy Detectives comics as source material for the new TV show, according to a release by HBO Max. The streaming service offered the, uh, this synopsis of the show. It's a fresh take on a ghost story that explores loss, grief, and death through the lens of Edward Payne and Charles Rowland, two dead British teenagers, and their very live a friend, Crystal Palace. So it's a lot like a vintage detective series, only darker and on acid. <laughs> that sounds like it's right in all of our wheelhouse, guys. Um, sounds spooky and fun, it says, according to this article. Yoki wrote the pilot and will serve as a showrunner, as well as the executive producer, along with Carver, Greg Berlanti, and Sarah Schechter. Uh, the renowned fantasy author Neil Gaiman and visual artist Matt Wagner created the characters themselves. Yaki said he's been enamored with the source material for a while now. I've been obsessed with the comic for a long time, so it's a true passion project. And Jeremy Berlanti Productions, DC, WBTV, and HBO Max, they're all encouraging me to run with this very wild, bizarre, and unsettling choice. The result is going to be a really dark, fun story. Sarah Aubrey, head of the original content at HBO Max, said the series was the perfect addition to HBO Max's already robust DC programming. So there is no official release date for that uh, new program, but that is the new show that uh, HBO Max is working on. And not to be outdone, E1 is developing Paranormal Hitman, a TV series based on the comic books by Brett Murphy and Wilson Gandolfo. Billed as Ghostbusters meets Pulp Fiction, Paranormal Hitman is an irreverent action comedy that follows Gene Rizzo and Devin Grace, two mob hitmen whose lives are turned upside down when they're accidentally recruited into a secret government agency tasked with hunting down paranormal threats. These low-down criminals then face threats from the living and the dead, determined to control the world of the paranormal while literally confronting ghosts of their own past. The first edition of Paranormal Hitman was released by Behemoth Entertainment, the company recently acquired by Sumerian Records and Films back in January. Behemoth owns the rights to all titles in the series. E1 will produce the TV series under the late Hasbro CEO Brian Goldner's Alter Rock label with Goldner and Josh Feldman exec producing alongside Murphy and Godolfo. Murphy is also a comic book writer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who stormed onto the scene with his well-received first series, Paranormal Hitman, and is currently writing multiple projects, including licensed work for Behemoth comic books. So we've got a couple of new paranormal-themed TV shows springing off the pages of comic books. Um, hey, guys, I don't usually wear my hoodies during the show, but my my uh, honest to God, our furnace went down two days ago, just as we went from 60 degree weather back down to thirties. So my house has been an ice chamber until tonight. They finally came and fixed it, but I, I had on the hoodie and I figured I'd throw it on, keep it on to mention for any of you watching, I do have Scully t-shirts. So if you are interested, I've just got some, I've got women's and men's, but most of them are like larges, mediums, and smalls. If you're interested in getting a Scully t-shirt, they were $30 because I've got remnant sizes left. I'll do them at 20 bucks plus the shipping and handling of $6.95. So if you're interested, email me, Dave at paranormal60.com. Dave at paranormal60.com. 
and get yourself a Scully t-shirt that you can wear. It's two-sided as well, guys. There's this image, and then there's the image of the uh, microphone with the horns and the wings. So that's on the back of the shirt. So go ahead and email me, Dave, at paranormal60.com. We'll send you out an invoice. It is first come, first serve until we move through the shirts. I think we only have about 20, 25 shirts total left in uh, strange and off sizes. All right, it is time now to get back into the news. Martin Vaez, you have got the next story, sir, and this is this is a cool one. I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, helps if your microphone's on, Marty. Is the way that works. That's uh, the best he sounded all week. It is actually. Did you <laughs> unplug it, Marty? Uh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, there we go. Yeah, uh, I was uh, my first time. Yeah, 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 I know. It's just gosh. Well, <laughs> well Dave. <laughs> A repater, a reporter for the Independent. <laughs> a, hey, repeater. A, repeater? a repeater, a repeater, a repeater for the Independent. A reporter for the. He's starting off the story. You can't even get the word reporter out right. Marty, come on, what are you drinking? It's, Show me what's in the glass. It's, it's bootkosh and bootcar. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Greg hmm. kind of threw me off, to be honest, with his story and his. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to recover. Here. A repair, a reporter for the Independent, Adam Smith reports that Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield has seen countless things in the sky that he does not understand. Hadfield, who served as the commander of the International Space Station in 2013, made this comment prior to the U.S. report about unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, UAPs, which just recently came out, I think this last year. Uh, He said, to see something in the sky that you don't understand and then to immediately conclude that it's intelligent life from another solar system is the, is the height of foolishness and lack of logic. I'm saying, whoa, hold on. Easy there, astronaut Hadfield. That's a, that's a big jump. Are, are you challenging an astronaut, Marty? Hey, you know, like, okay, there's there's been some um, pretty good <laughs> stuff coming out this last year, you know. No, I understand. Yeah, he's, so, just, uh, he's just bringing up a point, though. Well, he threw I like it down how pretty he, hard. Threw it he, down well, pretty hard. Yeah, he did throw it down pretty hard. But then on the other side of it, he's like, "Yeah, I've seen things I can't explain." You're an astronaut. Your job is to know what's out there. And if you don't know what a satellite or a rocket or a rocket yeah. looks like, so I think he's inadvertently telling you, "Yes," but he can't. He can't tell you it's aliens that are piloting well, the craft. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a good point you brought up there, Dave. Because you know how? Would Thanks you for like that input, be... Greg. That was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. So, yeah, how would you like to be one of the astronauts on the space station and mm-hmm. your commander turns around and says, you know what? We got all these things in the sky here. I don't understand what this stuff is. So that's kind of not too comforting for the other astronauts, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> it's not just you, Marty. <laughs> yeah. If I'm up on the International Space Station and things are zipping by and my commanding officers are like... Pfft. You got oh, me. Yeah. I'd start oh, getting wow. a little nervous. Really yeah. Nervous. Yeah. In another interview, Hadfield told Cross Country Checkup that definitively, definitively, <laughs> gosh, what did you give me? Uh, the English no language, Marty. Going forward. Uh, up, to this, up to this point, we have found no evidence of life anywhere except Earth, and we're looking. So he goes, he goes on to state, why are we trying to land on Mars? He believes that the reason for this is because Mars was a lot like Earth 4 billion years ago when life first formed on Earth. So basically, he says, if the Mars rover finds just one fossil 
Mm -hmm. We know we are not alone in this universe. So he went from his previous statement where there's nothing out there to like, we find a bone. I'm going 180 degrees on this whole. Well, wouldn't you? He can't, we can't say definitively what's up there. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Although there's one guy, Scott Waring out there. Pours through all the uh, NASA photographs, and every week it's like he's found the McDonald arches on the on Mars. He's found a a, a toy. He's found this, and it's so you see some rock in the background. It's it's ridiculous. So was he, was he the one sense. that is he the one that got slugged by uh, one of the astronauts? No, that was um, oh gosh, who was it? It was uh, yeah, uh, Buzz Aldrin's the guy that. Buzz oh man, he and I can't him. think who it was. Yeah, the guy kept mm-hmm. saying that the 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 moon yeah, landing it, was fake and fake. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin just get, get away and, from. And that's when he was like eighty. He, oh, he, he drilled him. He yeah. tagged him, man. That guy went down. Like this is great. This uh, see, but I love Chris Hadfield, and this is why. And I think all of you as as music lovers can completely appreciate this guy because while he's up there floating in his tin can, he did this. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Lock your Soyuz hatch and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. That is a big baller that he's up yeah, in yeah. space filming that and he's putting this thing together it shows you again there's not much work to do up on the on the internet yeah yeah he sounds good he does so so he does uh he does a great ted talk also and he plays it uh during his ted talk he's a what good I, dude what i loved is he also launches into this part Yeah, the wow. doom, yeah. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah. you gotta love that. That is astronauting on a whole new level, guys. Yeah, not just real like running on a treadmill or something, you no. know, watching your your toothpaste float around and you catch it. That's just, you know, yeah, that's done, that's that's, that's, that's that. an that's an experiment right there. You know, yeah. can you sing with a wooden acoustic guitar yeah. in space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously he can. You can. All right. I guess we don't. That, that's not all in the way of uh, rock and roll music and UFOs that we have. Got some Fleetwood Mac coming. No, at you. God, no, no more. I just can't deal with it. <laughs> I'm glad you bring up Fleetwood Mac. No, <laughs> you're the only one. You're the only one. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to try to weave in the whole Stevie Nicks with the witches story, but then I remember Greg telling us a couple weeks ago that she's not a real witch. So I yeah. love that. Oh, okay. So uh, what's Sorry. our next story taking us to? So this is a great story about the great band Queen. Uh, Roger Taylor, the drummer of Queen, uh, he had a 40th birthday party and his light show sparked a fear of an alien invasion. So the legendary Queen drummer's 40th birthday bash led to a surge in calls to the emergency services about strange sightings in the sky. Taylor had hired a sky tracker, a powerful quadruple spotlight that was scanning the heavens. He had to get permission from the Civil Aviation Authority to use it as planes needed to be warned in case they mistook it for landing lights. Uh, you can read about the story in the in the book Queen as it began, which is a biography of the, the iconic rock band. But it basically says in the book, people were jumping into their cars and driving to the sources of the lights 
believing that aliens were landing. It caused chaos as many, still in their nightclothes, parked their cars on the busy main road and made a dash across the carriageway. He had no problem with planes, but local police and forces in the next county had their switchboards overloaded with thousands of calls from worried people. That seems like something the queen could do. Yeah. Now, I did some searching online to see if I could find in the actual footage, and I can't blame them. You know, we have, here in Minnesota, we have uh, Mystic Lake Casino, and they have their lights pointing to the sky like it's a giant teepee because it's it's indigenous people's land and casino. And it creates this big light circle in the sky. All right? It, it can look terrifying from a distance. But after seeing the actual footage from Roger Taylor's birthday party, you really can't uh, begrudge the neighbors. I mean, it was pretty impressive. That's putting on a light show for your birthday. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. impressive. That's, oh, yeah. uh, that's the kind of thing that's definitely going to get the attention of the neighbors. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Not a smile from any of you guys. Man. The whole, the, no, no, the I'm, big, think, uh, I'm thinking, but there again, his neighbors are probably like 15 miles away too. You know, he yeah. probably owns quite a big spread out in England or wherever he lives. He's a drummer. He's a drummer. Years ago. Everybody's looking for logic right now where there is none, <laughs> absolutely none to be found. All right, guys, <sighs> we have to take a quick break. We will Thank come God. back. We've got more stories to share. You're tuned into the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Guys, guys, no, 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 no. Look at this, look at this, look at this. This sounds awesome. The Oregon Bigfoot Festival and beyond. July 30th, 2022, at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby, Oregon. Hey, look at that right there. Oh, yeah. So general admission is $25 online or $35 at the gate. But that includes admission to the Monsters and Mayhem show, featuring Jason Hawes of Ghost Hunters and Cliff Berrickman of Finding Bigfoot. Oh, oh, and even more. Oh, wow, look at them all. Cool. It's going to be awesome. See, baby, you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Road trip, road trip, road trip. Tickets are available at OregonBigfootFestival.com. Hey, things are about to get squatchy again. Here's how I used Mother Nature's magic Mother Nature's to, crush magic to crush my fitness goals. My fitness I goals. love the snarky tea starter. It's all natural, it's all delicious, and they deliver on their promises. Best part, it's half the price of other detox. I drink the daily detox in the morning for gut health, and the cleanse two times a week after the gym for bloating and weight management. Add this kit to your fitness journey. It works so well, and right now new customers will get 10% off your first order. Gotta like the special effects budget we have for that commercial. The Echo. It's like uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 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 Dirty drag strip. Yeah. 
People love Snarky T's six-week Get Fit starter kit. How do I know? Because I'm the brother of the owner of Snarky T, and she tells me all the time how people love it. Why? Because Snarky T utilizes Mother Nature's magic to help you crush your fitness goals. They've got spicy ginger to support digestion, comforting dandelion to support detoxification, and gentle holy basil to support purification. Their daily detox blend is the perfect way to kickstart your wellness journey. And in our gentle cleanse blend with activating fenugreek for bloating and relieving leaf to support deep cleansing, you've got the perfect post-workout companion. So what are you waiting for? Get started today. Grab the Snarky Tea Get Fit Kit at snarkytea.com backslash get fit. That's snarkytea.com backslash get fit. Well. Pretty good. Why aren't you guys using it yet? Is that was that tea I saw? There's yeah, that looks good. Do you feel slimmer already, Eric? I'm feeling something. It's more up in the head area, though. Yeah, yeah. I I have uh, something like tea. I'm not words, trusting my words gut is right hard. Now, my gut, I do not trust, and so uh, I'm actually considering buying some of that because that looks like it's a pretty good deal. Tell him her big brother sent you. You'll get a special discount on it. Let's get going with our next story. Greg Lawson, the paranormal detective. Oh, wow. No pressure, but this is live. Oh, hey, hey. We got it. (laughs) What's our next next story? So, you know, Dave, I was waiting. You know what? Hang hang on one second. Here we go. No, I do want to mention this because I I thought I should should bring this up. I did notice one of the people um, that's watching along, they said they had a good game for us that uh every time uh they'll take a drink every time someone hits the like button on this so every time we see a little heart go up you guys are supposed to start throwing oh, it down yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. idea Listen, okay. marty's all for it that was started 30 minutes ago but hard, hard rock kathy says yeah apple juice if you watch or attend a supernatural con hey i don't know what you're trying to say there apple juice yeah that's not apple juice that's that's happy well, happy juice yeah, all, all right, right. Let's uh, let's get to it. Boy, I just thought I would try to bring in some of the listeners on this, Greg, and you're shooting them down. Where are we going no, next? We don't want that. Um, so, you know, I was reading through my nonlinear processes of geophysics. Oh, sure. Uh, and and I came some across toilet article. reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came across an article of uh, the independent reporter, Anthony Cuthbertson. Um, he says scientists say they can control the weather using chaos theory. Computer simulations suggest that you could be it could be possible to artificially influence the weather by inserting the butterfly effect perturbances. Yeah, uh, and uh, in, in what, what what was that word? Butterfly, butterfly effect. effect. You're the only one not drinking right now. Someone just hit the yeah. perturbances. What are you talking Why about? I got. I got talk. One. Butterfly. I got effect. shiner, salt, and lime. That's a nice lady's drink. Yeah. God. <laughs> okay, you say perturbances then. Or how about perturbations, huh? There uh, you go. This is a family show. Perturbations. Right. Yeah. I know. So chaos theory. So, Where are we? Yeah. Uh researchers from the Rankin Center for Computational Science in Japan say that mathematical investigations opens the path to research into the controllability of weather and could lead to weather control technology. The butterfly effect is a phenomenon whereby an infinitesimal perturbations like butterfly flapping its wings can have a huge consequence like creating tornadoes in Texas. 
Mm. Yeah. That's what I said. That's that's what I'm talking about. Is that how it works? I did say infinitesimal perturbations. Okay. I like it. So I like it. Uh, previous right. attempts to control weather have included rain enhancements in desert regions by a process known as cloud seeding, which involve inject injecting moist air with substances to induce rainfall. The Raken team instead used small variations in their weather simulations for a number of variables involving convection, which is, you know, uh, like the, the transference of heat from one thing to another. The way that heat moves through a system, mm -hmm. they discover uh, they discovered that small changes would lead to major changes as time elapsed. Yep, really major changes yeah. like this. Yeah, major changes like uh, what you guys dealt with last year in Texas when it, it went no. from seventies to negative ten below, and all of your houses froze over and. No, in the, in, in the last uh, four weeks, we've had two tornadoes just like right down the street from me in the, in, in the last four weeks. Yeah. No kidding. Yep. Look the up weather. Round Rock Round Rock Tornado and uh, uh, Gerald Tornado. The wet, weather two. patterns have been extremely strange, but I know for a while they've been talking about being able to control the weather. Uh, a few years ago on, on the old show, we actually talked to a guy who claimed he could control the weather, and we kind of challenged him on the show, and we had in Minnesota forecasts were like bright, sunny, no rain for the next month. And all of a sudden, two days later, we had massive rain pour and just weird things happening. And he pointed us to a few spots on the map that night and all of them ended up getting beat up over the next week. So I, if it, if it's true, I would think if we could manipulate weather, we could bring just as an end to a war in a place like the Ukraine in an instant, couldn't we just sure. drop in severe weather on Russia as they're coming in, impeding their abilities. So I, I don't know where I stand on this. I mean, I know Greg, Marty, you guys were part of the military. Do you believe that we actually have those kind of capabilities? I think in theory that we have some stuff that we're working on. Um, I don't think they'll ever use it until they really, really uh, probably have to, but I don't know. What do you think, Marty? I don't know. Isn't there always already something that they can do to cause, you know, throw some type of uh, uh, yeah, the cloud seeding, cloud seeding, and all that? So mm -hmm. I mean, heck, that's that's one way of uh, manipulating the the weather. But hey, Dave, I was thinking about a few years back mm -hmm. when they had all the the uh, uh, wildfires in California. Right? Didn't you do something where you like had everyone pray about throwing? rain that direction right we yeah. yeah we've we've been doing intention experiments on the shows for years and uh we've had some really weird experiences and it was when it was hitting uh colorado and i just had our audience start just picture colorado look on a map look at colorado and just think of it being soaked in water because we we're just trying to put out these and they got torrential rain pour like roads were being washed out it flooded oh, neighborhoods good so job, i know yeah, so, well, you're like an over infinitesimal perturbances. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of which, this hit the news this week. The iconic store Spirit Halloween will receive its own feature film with Back to the Future star Christopher Lloyd, Money Grab, leading 
the cast. <laughs> the seasonal costume store, which operates about 1,425 locations across North America, is a go-to spot for families looking to get their Halloween costumes. The store's layout and merchandise are so iconic that they were even recreated in Animal Crossing by fans. Now it appears that the store will be taking the next big leap, making a feature-length movie. According to Variety, Spirit Halloween is teaming up with Strike Back Studios, Hideout Pictures, and Particular Crowd for a feature-length movie based on the store titled Spirit Halloween. Billed as a family film, it follows a group of middle school kids who decide to stay the night in a spirit hotel's, or spirit store on Halloween, but soon find that it's haunted by an angry spirit that has taken possession of its creepy animatronic characters. Five Nights at Freddy's. The, the kids must survive the night and avoid being possessed themselves. Spirit Halloween starts uh, Christopher Lloyd, Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That. That's a great reference from the early 90s. Uh, alongside Donovan Colon, uh, Dylan Frankel, Jaden Smith, and Marissa Rise, president of Strike Back Studios, said regarding the project, one of the reasons I immediately connected with the script is it is very much inspired by some of my favorite kid adventure films growing up from the Goonies, Gremlins, Monster Squad, and so many great films made by Amblin Entertainment. Spirit Halloween has already wrapped production and is aiming for an October 2022 release. No word on if it will get a um, theatrical release or just end up on streaming and guys that story stands out to me and we're going to introduce a new segment because i think that is the first story that deserves this dumbest news of the day am i wrong i love it i love it dumbest news of the day why who spirit halloween stores that'd make a great horror movie who thinks of that where did this come up from I don't. I can't even find the rationale behind it. Well, I do know that that is where Greg told me he gets his private time costumes from. <laughs> wow, and that could be a little scary as well. Uh, speaking of yeah. scary, Marty, words is hard. Uh, it's time words, for you. Words yeah. is hard. Yeah. Uh, what's, your, what's your next tale for us? Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jerry Lawton reports in the Daily Stay that legendary spoonbender. Yuri Geller claims that he was hit by a Foo Fighter when he was just five years old. Now here, Dave, we're not talking about a member of the band, the Foo Fighters. We're actually talking about a no kidding alien Foo Fighter named after the balls of light that would follow World War II fighter planes. Mm -hmm. Yep. After being hit, he has believed in aliens ever since. So uh, Geller states, when I was five years old, I had an encounter with a bizarre ball of light, which not only followed me, but it struck me. Yeah, Geller then diverted a bit during his interview by stating that John Lennon once told him of a strange insect-like creature who visited him in his apartment and left behind a weird metal egg. But Dave, (laughs) you got to ask. You got to ask. Uh Yeah. If this occurred during the height of Lennon's drug use, could he have just been telling Geller about a bad trip he had one Easter morning? Could he have been talking about that? <laughs> Marty's writing comedy, guys. No, wow. No, no. No, I, I, I'm looking at Eric, and I'm thinking, Eric's thinking the same thing. He he, and I are kind of like talking. We're, we talk a lot about the Beatles. We're talking we're, about Uri Geller? Is yeah. Talking yeah. About yeah. We, talk about, we talk about Geller as well a lot, too. So, anyways... <laughs> 
<laughs> Marty's a big spoon bender guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there yeah. was, but, but Marty, uh, John Lennon actually saw UFOs and he wrote about it in one of his songs, right? Uh, Eric, which one is on his, uh, is it the milk and honey album or one of them? He talks about all the weird things going on and somebody maybe in the chat room can remind me of which song it is, but he talks about there's UFOs over New York and he had seen them, I think on a few different occasions. I guess this is new to me about the whole egg story though. <laughs> yeah. Marty, the, yeah. The egg is thing from, is kind of, hmm. isn't that from nobody told me there'd be days like this. Yeah, that might be. Yeah. Very well. Could be. All right, Eric. You have the con, sir. Where are we going next? Oh, this one's exciting. So a space balloon company is now offering to take you to the edge of space. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not going to do exciting? it. No. In a balloon <laughs> to the edge of space? Listen, we are doing things that have never been done in uh, humanity before. Maybe this there's a reason for that. Yeah. Could be a reason. <laughs> This, yeah. this didn't need to happen, but no, yeah. so, so check this out, right? Okay. A new entrant in the space tourism market promises customers views of the Earth's curvature from the comfort of a luxury cabin, not a balloon, as you think. And you're going to be lifted into the upper atmosphere in a giant helium balloon. Mm-hmm. Space Perspective is the name of the company, and they announced on Tuesday illustrations of its, what they're calling, swish cabins, which you can see on the screen there which it hopes to start launching from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida in the late 2024, so only a couple of years from now. Believe it or not, they've already sold 600 tickets at $125,000 each. There are five feet high windows, deep seats, purple tones, and subdued lighting. The atmosphere contrasts with the white and sanitized capsules of its competitors. Wi-Fi connectivity and a drinks bar round out the space lounge inside the company's Neptune castle. So obviously Wi-Fi connectivity is important when you've dropped 125 grand to go up in a balloon. Whether it really constitutes space flight. Because people are going to not even be paying attention out the window. They're going to be texting yeah. and Instagramming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course they are. Oh, That's humanity God. today, right? So here's uh, the deal, though. Okay. The balloon is going to go to 20 miles up in the air. Uh-huh. Significantly lower than you know SpaceX and Blue Origin, okay. um, and even Virgin Galactic, which I think gets what 50, 55, almost 60 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this isn't really space like every every other um company that wants to take you out there that flies you deeper into space, but it's still higher than commercial airplanes, right? Those go, I think, about six miles into the air. So the co-founder basically said, Listen, we're taking you 99% above the Earth's atmosphere. Hmm. Um, And you are going to get to see kind of that curvature of the Earth, the the black of space. No special training required. The balloon climbs at a serene, as they say, 12 miles per hour. And the company pitches itself as a greener zero emissions alternative to rocket fuels. They intend to get the hydrogen for the balloon from renewable sources rather than extracting it from fossil fuels. Hmm. The price for the two hours up, two hours of gliding, and the two hours down voyage ends with a, and this is what I didn't like about this, an ocean splashdown. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's better than a Rocky Mountain splashdown. That's that's the worst place yeah. to land up. Yeah. yeah. For the oysters? No. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You don't yes. want to. So hydrogen-filled balloon going, I, I guess, what could possibly go wrong? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. That which yeah. is old is new again. Did we forget That's about the right. Hindenburg? Yeah, so Did soon. We, so and that, soon we forget. That, that only flew like, I don't know, a mile and a half up in the sky. <laughs> and that I don't want to take a balloon up. I don't know. Maybe I'm a wimp on this. Greg, I know you're like the kind of guy who's a daredevil. You do all kinds of insane nonsense. Uh, could you see yourself going up there to do that? I don't want to get in anything that has uh, hydrogen as its its a lifting property. Uh, I know it works very well, but yeah, I, there's uh, supposedly they have a hydrogen that uh, isn't as flammable as regular hydrogen mm-hmm. or something. But still, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. That's what they said at the Hindenburg. Yeah, yeah. Sales it's not office. Yeah, crazy. Now, I, I would like to to say here, Dave Dyer, one of our uh, listeners and watchers, made a very excellent point in the chat. He says, I remember what happened to my balloons when they slipped out of my hand as a five-year-old. Never seen again. True. true. <laughs> and if it was cold, you'd find it falling down quickly. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Dave Dyer, good point. Uh, speaking of good points, Greg. Hey. You've got a story for us? Where are we going next, sir? Oh, do I? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, Dave. Yes. Dave, mm-hmm. We have name. us a brain machine. A brain machine, you say? <laughs> yeah. According okay. to MSN Technology News reporter Joshua Hawkins, a new brain machine will scan space for alien signals. The United Kingdom will build a brain for an upcoming square kilometer array observatory. The observatory is part of an ongoing expansion of high-powered telescopes designed to study the early uh, universe. Along that goal... The square kilometer array will also be capable of scanning distant galaxies for alien radio signals. The array of 197 dishes will be located throughout South Africa and Australia. It's designed to search for both natural and alien-made radio signals, the latter of which would help prove the existence of alien life. The brain, in reality, is a... uh, is a batch of super powerful software and hardware. It's all designed to work together and control the biggest radio telescope the world has ever seen. Not only will it be able to look into the early universe, but it will also be able to pick up on the early signs of life on distant planets. The initial brain is just a prototype. The overall uh, capability of the system will be infinitesimal. Oh, you almost had it. Right there, so close. Infinitesimal. Infinite. Yeah. Does Daddy need to go through and scratch the big word for you guys? Yeah. Infinite. Infinite Have another shot for us, would you? Of your, of your, somebody, of your lady drink. But hey, there is nothing wrong with the shiner, salt, and lime, especially if it's from the shiner. But I don't know if you need the lime. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with it if it's prom night up, and that's all you up, can please. afford. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I got a bottle of Zima. Where the hell did that thing go? <laughs> oh, God. Partisan <laughs> <laughs> James? Whatever. Wait, hold on a second. I'm getting a call from, it's 1989. They'd like their Zima back. That's right. Who buys Zima? <laughs> Who bought Zima back then? Oh, God. Greg. They still make it? This guy. I think they do. They wow. do? I don't know. Ask ask Greg. He would know. Greg, Greg. I've never. I have never ever had a Zima. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. He's had I two. Was joking. It was uh-huh. a joke. <laughs> He's yeah. Explain this. this the six packs. Okay, Marty. Sorry. We are running out of time here. Uh, Eric, God. we're going to forego your last story because I just realized it's the story we covered last week. 
So you get a respite. You can just sit back and drink for this next story. I just got my second one, so I appreciate this. Awesome. Not a problem. I'm, I'm definitely going to stay around um, the after party. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's see where uh, Marty takes us next. Marty, yeah. where are we heading? Who can imagine? Edinburgh Live recently reported a Scottish tourist caught sight of a Loch Ness monster. Tom Ingram, 36, reported the second credible sonar sighting of Nessie in 2022. The sonar of the tour boat. Uh, the sonar of the tour boat he was on picked up a moving object measuring 30 feet long, and it was around 410 feet beneath, beneath the surface. This was around the same location as the uh, a different sonar sighting of the monster two years ago. Yeah, there you go, right there. Uh, Ingram's <laughs> screenshot of the sonar was accepted by the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register. So it, it was uh, legit enough for them to actually put it into the register. Ingram claims that around half at the halfway point of the tour, uh, he noticed a strange shape forming on the sonar. He said, at first we thought it was part of the cruise, something for the tourist, but it quickly became apparent that what we were looking at was a real time and big. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going there, but. Uh, I'll continue uh -huh. on. Uh, lead, <laughs> leading sonar expert. I've seen one of those before. Described the sonar images as very curious as there were large, clear, and distinct contacts, all strangely near the lock bed. So, uh, yeah, they uh, believe this one's a legit sighting, a sonar sighting. They didn't see it as you're showing it right now on the screen. <laughs> but they did see it, uh, you know, 400 feet below the surface. So pretty, uh, pretty credible stuff, uh, according to the sonar experts. So uh, here's something that's interesting. I, I know Eric sent this over to me earlier this week. Uh, the, the image, if you're watching the video, you're getting to see this. If you're not, you should be watching the video, too. Um, so there was talk that these tales of sea serpents, and I promised there were going to be sea serpent secrets today, could have been misunderstood. I guess quite a few whales, like the blue whale, oh, like yeah. to roll over on their back and express part of their body up out of the water, which like if, we you, all didn't, do. if you didn't know what you're looking at, looks an awful <laughs> lot like a sea serpent. So we are looking at, yep. I, I was looking for the right scientific terminology to use on this, and I found the right answer because um, Dr. Michael Sweet, no relation to Michael Sweet of uh, Striper, uh, came out earlier this week and had an interesting tweet. And I will just quote him verbatim because he's a scientist. Back in the day, travelers, explorers would draw what they saw. This is where many sea monster stories came from, tentacled and alien-esque appendages emerging from the water, giving belief to something more sinister lurking beneath. However, many cases, it's just a whale dick. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, you, and you've seen one of those before, Greg? Oh, many times. I'm not, gonna ask. I'm not going to ask. Yeah, hey, I've been surfing on Waikiki and yeah, have so a few of these, I guarantee you. surfboard, Greg. Yeah. That's not a surfboard. That's not a surfboard. Oh, Marty. So good story on that. But I don't know. I was not that impressed by the sonar blip. Should I be? You guys have seen sonar, sonar before. 
Is that no, little... that's definitely that's definitely uh, Nessie. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, you oh, can yeah. tell. All right. Well, as long as Greg says it, and he's been in almost every branch of the military besides the he Girl has, Scouts. Actually, yeah. 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 Actually, he yeah. has been in every been in every branch of the military, haven't Coast you? Coast Guard? I don't think he's been in Coast Guard. That's, that's, the military? Uh, that's not the military, is it? Wow. Oh, wow. what? Coast Guard, Department you, can, of Transportation. Uh, what? you can send your emails to Greg's a dick <laughs> at gmail.com. All right, Greg, you've got uh, one of our final stories here. I do? I thought we were done. No, you've got, uh, oh. this is big news, guy. This is in All Texas. Right. This is knocking on your back door. It's crazy, man. Uh, according to CNN's Megan Marple, uh, like Miss Marple, probably. You know, maybe mm. some people call her Miss yeah, You put that together. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, a uh, venomous blue dragon washed ashore in Texas. San Antonio resident Eric Yanta came across the slug on Mustang Island, an 18-mile stretch of land in the Gulf of Mexico near Corpus Christi, Texas. While strolling along the beach, Yanta and his wife Anna spotted a tiny blue and white creature no longer than an inch clinging to a rock. He scooped it up, took a closer look, filmed it before he carefully placed it back into the water. Yanta didn't know at the time, but he had just encountered a venomous Glaucus and Atlanticus. Glaucus Atlanticus, Dave Schrader. Wait, you mean uh, Exxon picked up something they didn't know about on a beach? Isn't that crazy? That's weird, yeah, right? That's he thought it was like a cigarette butt or something. Were they drinking uh, lemon lime shiner? Shiner? Yeah. I didn't even know there was such a thing until you just pulled that bottle up. Anyway, so as I'll Marty, just... that's because they were out of cinnamon roll, shiner buck. Oh, okay. I got it. Wow. wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, we're going to see what Greg's drinking next week. Uh, let's say uh, a <laughs> little. Uh, uh, a little, little ruby s'mores. red. I'm going to get s'mores. ruby red for next week. You do, and I'll be sorry. Go ahead. Oh, all right. So, um, a Glaucus Atlanticus, uh, also known as the blue dragon. Uh, we've seen plenty of jellyfish like Portuguese man of war, but never this animal. Now, remember, a Portuguese man of war is a, uh, 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 um, uh, sonopod, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's like a jellyfish, except it's got a bladder that helps floated at the top of the water anyway the blue dragon normally lives on the surface of the ocean uh, david hicks professor of and director of the school of earth environmental and marine sciences at the university of texas rio grande valley they usually are in tro- uh, tropical or subtropical latitudes but their small size means that most beach goers don't often see them beach despite goers? their small what beach goers yeah Be- beach goers yeah. Beach goers, beach goers, yeah, yeah, That's like a people on the beach. Uh, mm-hmm. let, let me do that again. Goer. Yeah. Uh, really they're good. usually in tropical, subtropical uh, latitudes, but their small size means that most people on the beach don't often see them. Mm. Uh, despite their small size, a dragon packs quite a punch with their sting. The animal eats creatures, uh, like the venomous man of war. Believe it or not, he's a uh, cephalopod, right. Oh, and, yeah, uh, and of course. Yeah. Somebody's checking his word of the day calendar. Yeah, and apparently so. <laughs> he stores a prey's stinging cells called sinocides in their uh, little sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he carries them around and uses them later, I guess. Like a, uh, this little dragon went to market. This little dragon stayed home. Mm-hmm. This little dragon had mm-hmm. roast beef. This little dragon had lawn. This little blue dragon went mm-hmm. all the way home. So, you know, for our audio, our audio listeners, I apologize for that noise. That was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but 
It was a good scientific example yeah. of what the uh, blue thing does. So they are quite painful and uh, sometimes life threatening. So well, uh, these things can get on Texas beaches. Not just in Texas, but in Australia. This guy uh, was TikToking about it earlier this week. It looks just like a Pokemon. What are these things? My little brother and I were at the beach and we found these little blue creatures struggling on the sand. We saw a few others that had dried up in the sun and we knew we had to get them back in the water. Poor guys on the way out. Growing up in Australia, you would see these little things all the time when you're a little kid, but um, I never really paid attention to them. Now I'm a marine life expert and it's driving me crazy not to know what those things are. So I learned four weird, like, I mean, really weird facts about them. Firstly, all those venomous animals like siphonophores and Portuguese man wars yeah, blue dragons eat them. They store the venom and when they're touched, the blue dragon can release a powerful and focused sting. They can literally kill a person. Now, I know this looks really dangerous, but there's a small form of sand between me and him that's stopping him from stinging me. I always make sure there is sand between my skin and the blue dragon. I don't recommend anyone else attempt this. If you ever see one in need of help, maybe just pick it up with a shell or don't touch it at all. Yeah, I, I recommend nobody else touch this. Just my little brother. Yeah. Right, a little okay. bit of sand. Just a little bit of sand between me and the dragon. I, I want to state between me and the dragon. There's four, four important things he learned. I played the only one you need to know. That is, they are deadly. That's right. The more you know, that was awesome. That's right. You like that? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, hey, Greg, so, you can sit hell? back and, and enjoy your drink. What, Marty? Those are in Texas, Greg. So normally they're not. He, I guess, he floated north with uh, like Marty. Uh, you should watch the show. He just did that whole story about them being in Texas. Jesus <laughs> Christ, I, I just Marty. wanted to confirm because you know yes. that that. We don't have the best beaches in Texas, but I do like to go to them eventually. Well, now you point. know. Keep a little layer of a sand. sand between you and them. Maybe you should have an ice cold, bubbly shiner. No, it's okay. Salt and lime. Rather go after the blue dragon devil. That's right. The more you know. Now we know what Marty's really after. All right, guys, there's a cool news story that popped up this week regarding uh, a ghostly visit. Uh, it doesn't matter if you believe in ghosts or not, this article says. There are some things out there that if they go on in your house and you can't explain it, this is what we call a spooky deal breaker. And this guy, I'm just going to show the video. Um, this guy is at home and he starts hearing rattling sounds and goes and and this has happened to him multiple times. This video is intriguing. For those of you listening, not as much. For those of you watching, this is crazy because he shows it from different angles of what's going on with this door.
know if everybody can see this and I've done it. Job, I'm getting the hell out of here. He's got the he's got the right idea. I'm getting the yeah. hell out of here. I don't know what it is, but that's crazy. And I like that he keeps showing it from different angles, opening the closet, looking inside, shuts it. I can't think of what would make a doorknob do that, except for some kind of invisible creature trying to screw with you. Well, it, when he first went in, what was that thing that was swinging around? Was there was there a whale in there? What? Could have been. Oh, <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, listen, our last story is kind of important. I want to get to it real quick. Uh, Waverly Hills has been in the news. What's so scary about Waverly Hills? Well, it's Louisville's um, probably most haunted and terrifying building, and it's also been considered that as the most haunted building in America. It's got an infamous history that draws paranormal thrill seekers from all over the world. And Waverly Hills has uh, always been a well-known landmark. First is a tuberculosis treatment center in the early to mid-1900s to its more recent haunted history. Before it gained fame as a so-called haunted site, though, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium served as an important medical center in Louisville. Construction on the site began in 1908. It opened in 1910, according to Waverly Hills' website, to serve as an isolated medical center for patients afflicted with tuberculosis, which had been spreading through the Louisville area after an expansion in 1926. The property could hold more than 400 patients at once. Tuberculosis was so deadly and extremely contagious, so patients were usually kept quarantined in secluded spaces. The Waverly Hills Sanatorium was built as a self-sufficient community with its own zip code, post office, and farmland. Doctors and other employees were unable to leave the grounds, according to this article that came from um, Lucas Allback at the Louisville Courier Journal. The facility then was closed in 1961. It reopened the following year as a nursing home, serving patients until it closed again in 1981. Then it remained closed for about 20 years. At that time, uh, the property fell into disrepair. It was then purchased in 2001 by current owners, Charlie and Tina Mattingly, who founded the Waverly Hills Historical Society two years later. The groups worked in the following years to renovate the property, which grew in popularity as a well-known haunted spot. It was among paranormal community shows like Annie's Ghost Hunters, um, Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures, and Paranormal Challenge. And uh, it's been a, a, a place now of controversy uh, recently. And I wanted to address this because I've had so many people reaching out to me at events um, wanting to know my take on it. And I did not know enough about what was going on to weigh in on it. Um, all I'd heard was Tina and Charlie had been pushed out unceremoniously from being the owners of Waverly Hills. I had met the staff there this last November. They were all very courteous and sweet, very nice. They weren't talking down about the prior. Well, they're still the owners, but the uh, people that ran the building building the Mattingly's. Um, but things have gotten worse. Uh, according to some of the news out of Louisville, there was a big protest that took place there this last week um, where the people are trying to save Waverly Hills from the current group running it. Uh, and the people running it made a very informational video. So this is the first time I felt like it was worth weighing in on. Here's what they had to share with us. Hello, everyone. My name is Renee Clark, president of the Waverly Hills Historical Society. In recent months, there has been a lot of misinformation online regarding the Waverly Hills Sanatorium and its historical society. And we'd like to clear the air to address some of these rumors that have been circulating. The Waverly Hills Historical Society was founded by the owner of the building as a nonprofit organization. Along with coordinating all tours, 
Our main job is to preserve and restore this building and its grounds. We entered into this 99-year lease agreement with the owner back in 2017 after the IRS began an investigation into the owner and nonprofit, raising concerns of private inurement to the owner, which threatened the nonprofit's mission to restore and maintain Waverly Hill Sanatorium. The IRS stepped in to enforce the Internal Revenue Code that prohibits the owner from profiting off of Waverly Hills. At that time, assurances were given that there was and would be no private inurement to the owner. To ensure this, there was a change to the structure of the Historical Society's board and processes. The owner and his wife are no longer part of the current board of directors or involved in the restoration, but the ownership of this property has not changed. We are leasing the property as agreed upon with the owner. We have and will continue to be fully transparent with the community about this relationship. For now, let's clear up some of these false rumors against us. The Historical Society is not trying to take the building from its owner. The owner of Waverly Hill Sanatorium has not been forced out. The Historical Society has a lease with the owner and continues to fulfill our agreement. The Historical Society pays for all expenses and costs associated with the property and has been doing so for nearly two decades. In 2021, the Historical Society did file suit against the owner to be repaid for damages and expenses incurred as a result of past actions and financial mishandlings by the owner. Damages sought are to reimburse the Historical Society for losses and funds that were allotted for the restoration and preservation of the building. This lawsuit is ongoing. The Historical Society is not overpaying its executive director or staff. This accusation on social media is false. The current executive director's salary remains in line with that of the previous executive director, who was the owner's spouse. We also retained an outside HR firm to review this salary compared to other executive directors with nonprofit organizations. The target salary of the executive director role was set based on the results of the study. The Historical Society did not wrongly terminate its former executive director. The former executive director was properly terminated following an investigation conducted by an outside contracted HR firm after several internal complaints. We will honor the privacy of the parties by not discussing the details due to the confidential nature of HR issues. The Historical Society is not seeking to demolish the building or any building on the grounds. Our mission is to preserve, restore, and educate the public about this historic building. That mission has not changed. There are other groups on social media and in the paranormal community falsely claiming that they are saving Waverly Hills. To our knowledge, they are only fundraising to assist in paying the legal fees of those involved in the lawsuit we filed. These groups are not involved in the incredible work being done by the Historical Society to preserve Waverly Hills None of the money they are raising has gone into the building. The only organization working to preserve Waverly Hills continues to be our historical society. We have made a lot of progress here at Waverly Hills in the past two decades and will continue to work hard to restore and preserve the sanatorium that we all know and love. Nothing has changed for the public and we invite the community to schedule a tour to see for themselves. Thank you to those who continue to stand behind us. We are Team Waverly, and we are proud of the work we are doing here at the sanatorium. Again, in interesting information. Uh, that's what we have to go on. All of those claims are now public and out there, so they can all be examined and checked. Um, I, I wish the best for everybody involved on both sides of this. I know that we don't know some of the other inner dynamics and in working, but I do know that Waverly Hills 
is one of the coolest locations I've ever had a chance to investigate. Shane and I were just out there this last November doing a Nick Roth event, and we all had unbelievable experiences, amazing visual, audio, uh, and physical experiences in the building. So I hope it, it stays open to the public for a place to people can go visit to see the paranormal upfront uh, for themselves. Want to make a quick mention this Monday, Jamie Kaler's back, Steve Shippey and Cindy Kays as well. Killer ghosts. That's our topic as we talk about the ghosts uh, and the stories behind their shock docs that Steve Shippey and Cindy Kays did. Um, they did two shock docs, one about Ed Gein and one about the Gainesville Ripper, the true story of Ed Gein, the real psycho and the Gainesville Ripper, who was the um, inspiration for the Scream movie franchise. So we're going to have both of them on uh, Cindy, I believe, or Steve is in the first segment. Uh, Jamie Kaler's here to do a, a movie review for us. And then Cindy will join me for the rest of the episode. Um, so that's what's going on on Monday. Remember, if you're interested in getting a Scully t-shirt and you'd like to get one, they're 25 bucks plus shipping and handling. Just email me, dave at paranormal60.com. That's dave at paranormal60.com. So many noises coming out of your guys' houses. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so I want to thank you all for tuning in. We do have a special after show. So remember, I'm going to play out our final theme. And after the theme, I'm going to be joined by Shane Pittman and any of these miscreants, correspondents that want to stay here. We're going to talk about the Palmer House Hotel and uh, some really unique hauntings and some evidence that's going to be shared. So that's coming up next in the after show for the rest of you taking off for the night. And for those of you listening to the audio only portion, you won't get that after show. The only way to see it is over on the Paranormal 60 YouTube channel. So please make sure to go check that out, uh, the Paranormal 60 YouTube. I want to just say goodnight to everybody. Thanks to the Texas Contingent. We'll be back again next week with more news. Stay tuned. We've got the special after show that's coming up right after this. You've been watching the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 Minutes. Mm -hmm.